I'm going to do some further explanation of a passage from Mark chapter 11 that has mis- been misunderstood and has been under-emphasized uh, over the centuries, uh, particularly in Sunday school environments in the 20th and 21st century. This is a passage that talks about the money changers and the turning over the tables in the temple, but it also is surrounded by the story of the fig tree and the withering or the cursing of the tree. And usually it's been taken in those two contexts and nothing beyond that. This was not an event where Jesus just happened to go into the temple and was surprised by what he saw and reacted to it. There was far more to this. It was all very intentional and pre-planned. And it meant a great deal more even to the people there at that moment, the 12, as well as those that would have been reading about this in the days, weeks, months, years following the event. We have a tendency to want to think higher of ourselves and assume that we have a a greater uh, elevation at which to look at everything and, and dig deeper into it. But in reality, Jesus knew at the moment that he was doing this exactly what he was doing and why he was doing it, and it was far deeper than just some kind of a emotional reaction to something that he witnessed. And so we're going to go over that now in Mark 11. And it picks up with verse 11, which says, And Jesus entered into Jerusalem and into the temple. And when he had looked round about upon all things, and now the eventide was come, he went out unto Bethany with the twelve. And on the morrow, when they were come from Bethany, he was hungry. And seeing a fig tree afar off having leaves, he came, if haply he might find anything thereon. And when he came to it, he found nothing but leaves, for the time of figs was not yet. And Jesus answered and said unto it, No man eat fruit of thee hereafter forever. And his disciples heard it. And they came to Jerusalem, and Jesus went into the temple and began to cast out them that sold and bought in the temple, and overthrew the tables of the money changers, and the seats of them that sold doves, and would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. And he taught, saying unto them, Is it not written, My house shall be called of all nations the house of prayer? But ye have made it a den of thieves. And the scribes and chief priests heard it, and sought how they might destroy him. For they feared him, because all the people was astonished at the doctrine. And when even was come, he went out of the city. And in the morning, as they passed by, they saw the fig tree dried up from the roots, And Peter, calling to remembrance, saith unto him, Master, behold, the fig tree which thou cursed is withered away. And Jesus answering saith unto them, Have faith in God. Again, a Sunday school interpretation of this has always been, Jesus has happened to go with his disciples into the temple. He gets shocked by what he sees going on in there, and he starts flipping tables. Well, that's clearly not what's occurring here. And so let's go back in and look specifically at the different areas. It starts out indicating that Jesus entered Jerusalem and then into the temple. And when he got there inside the temple, he looked around about him okay, at all the things. So there's kind of an image of him walking about, possibly even table by table, corner by corner, aisle by aisle, row by row, and checking out everything that was going on inside the temple. He says nothing to anyone. Uh, He doesn't show any signs of temper or issues or anything. There's nothing spontaneous that happens here. He just takes it all in until the evening came, and then he took his twelve back to Bethany, and they rested for the evening. 
Next morning, Jesus gets up, takes his twelve with him on his approach back to Jerusalem, back to the temple, and he's hungry. And he sees off in the distance a fig tree. And it indicates that the fig tree is not in its season to bear figs. But when he approaches the tree and sees that it does not have anything but leaves on it, he tells the tree that you will bear no fruit for anyone hereafter, forever. But he does it within the earshot of his disciples. Now, he then moves on from there and goes into the temple in Jerusalem, and that's when he flips tables and dismantles the assembly of things that are going on there, and he indicates to them that, I mean, he goes to such detail that he says that he would not suffer that any man should carry any vessel through the temple. What this meant was is that he was not allowing anybody to conduct any form of business whatsoever in that space. He was wiping clear every ounce of activity that was going on. And as he does this, he is doing this in the presence, not only of those that are in the temple just doing this exchanging, but he's doing it in front of the scribes who would have been documenting the the accounting of things that are going on, as well as the chief priests who were running the temple, meaning they were running the events that were going on there. And he says to them, is it not written that all the nations know that this is a house of prayer? And yet you've turned it into this profiteering environment. You've turned it into a seedy corruption den of thieves. And the the scribes and the chief priests get upset with him at this, not because what he was saying was untruthful, but because the people understood what he was saying and believed him. Okay, That's the key that's here. They feared him because he was telling the truth. Now, somebody who lies about you, if you've got integrity, you're able to go back and sit back and go, well, you know what, eventually truth will be found out in this, and I'll be vindicated. So you don't seek out a way to destroy the person who's telling the lie about you if you know it's a lie. What you do is you wait for the truth to find you innocent. That's not what they're doing. They plot against him because they are afraid of him, and they are afraid of him because what he is telling is the truth, and the people understand and see it as truth. They are eyewitnessing it at that moment that it's truth. And so that becomes a major issue. And then at the other end of this, they leave from there, and the next morning, Peter and the others observe that the fig tree has now withered. And it's not just withered, as in it's dried out from the heat. It has withered from the root on up, meaning it is dead. And Jesus just merely indicates something really simple like, <laughs> have faith. you got to put your trust in God. God is in control of all of this. Now, if we were to stop there and say, isn't this an interesting story, we would miss the finer message that's going on here. Jesus is indicating, he is intentionally going in and creating this scene in the temple for the people to see. He introduces the fig tree issue for his 12 to see. The general people are being being shown the heresies of the chief priests. They're being shown the heresy of the the Jews in control and what's happened to the temple. But the twelve are being shown something deeper. They're being shown the fig tree, which has already been used as symbolism for Israel in the past. And he is showing them a fig tree that is out of season, meaning it shouldn't be bearing any figs at that point. But he's showing that when Jesus approaches this fig tree... It is not doing what it should be doing, in or out of season. 
And he says that no one will feed on you again forever. And within a 24-hour period, that tree is dead all the way down to its roots. Jesus is not saying anything particularly about the fig tree and about the fig tree not offering a hungry man food. He is talking about the symbolism of the fig tree as Israel and that Israel is not producing what it should produce. And it is about to be destroyed down to its roots. Now, this is not a reference to the physical temple alone. This is about Israel and what is becoming Judaism. And so I have to say this at this point because you have to clearly understand that Judaism is something that was in the rise during the days that Jesus physically walked the earth in a ministry. Judaism was just building in this. The written language or the written uh, testaments of Judaism were just beginning to be created during that day and age. And there was a misunderstanding as if there was a written formal religion established for centuries when Jesus appeared. There wasn't. It was oral tradition. It was handed down. And it really wasn't until the Babylonian captivity that the Jews began to write down their history. And they ended up with what we know as the Old Testament, which would have been the only testament in Jesus' day. Jesus came and provided this event, this opportunity, to explain to his twelve that what you're seeing going on with the Jews and the temple is about to go away. I am about to dry it up and kill it down to its roots because I am replacing the old Israel covenant with the new spiritual covenant with you and those that you lead to me. And so he was trying to establish to the twelve that there is a spiritual covenant that is being made by my physical presence and you are about to become the church and you are going to replace the fleshly Israel which was the temple and which was symbolized by the fig tree. And just as I am cursing the fig tree, I am cursing the fleshly covenant that was established with Israel. And just as you saw within a 24-hour period, meaning within your own existence, with your own memory, you were able to see the first end of the event and see the fulfillment of that event very quickly. He was letting the twelve know, I am telling you now that the Judaism that is being built, although he would not have used the term Judaism, but the Judaism that is being built up today okay, is going to be the end of Israel. And you're going to see it within your lifetime. It's going to come quickly. But everybody else isn't going to fully understand this. I am showing you this. Privately, I'm showing you this with through this victory. But publicly, I'm exposing the temple for what it has become. There is no other reference in Scripture of him going about and making a regular ministry of clearing out the temple. He does it that one time to indicate to the people, this is what your temple has become. And he's showing it to the Jews, but he's showing it to all the societies that come within that range. Everybody coming from anywhere that are going into the temple to do their money changing are seeing all of this. So both the Jew and the Gentile are being exposed to this reality all at the same time. Jesus was clearly indicating that what is happening to the temple 
is an escape from a rebellion against the covenant that was made with these people and that I am replacing that covenant with a spiritual one with the people who are now following me. So it's huge. It's a, it's a major event that's being clarified here and being stretched out in all of this. And it was just as deep then in that day, at that moment, on that day, as it is 2,000 years later for people to interpret it in a certain way. We want to be so high and mighty and we want to believe that we're at some kind of an elevated point and we can see this in some different way than the people would have understood. No. And we are no more intelligent today when it comes to the Lord's Word than the people were that walked with Jesus in that day. Okay, we have, we have deluded ourselves into believing that somehow we are high and mighty and that we have a, a clearer understanding and a better education of what God's Word was and what He was fulfilling. No. No. He didn't do those events back then with a bunch of archaic, ignorant fools so that centuries later, the intelligent people could understand it. Okay, If he was going to do that, he would have appeared today, not 2,000 years ago. And he would have talked to the people who were educated today. Okay, If that was the case, he would not have brought his message to the ignorant. Those people were intelligent human beings. Those people were architects of structures that today we still don't mimic well in our architecture. They were writers of philosophies and, and understandings of doctrine that we are still trying to figure out today. We are 2,000 years removed from being face-to-face -face with Christ okay, in a walking, physical, touchable environment. And we somehow want to believe that we have a firmer understanding of what he meant and was saying and was doing than the people who were there with him at that time. That is foolishness. Christ was showing his disciples the reality of what was taking place. And he may not have used the term Judaism, but he was certainly showing them that what their people had become was not what God had made a covenant with. That they were no longer behaving like the chosen people and they were debarking massively from the commitment that had been made. And so Jesus came physically to replace that fleshly Israel, symbolized as the fig tree, and held and housed within the temple. He was replacing it with the spiritual church, which is housed within the individual souls, the individual beings, and was not a physical place. We tend to look at the church as a physical location. It is not a physical location. It is a spiritual realm. It is the souls of the individuals who are believers in Jesus Christ. It is not a physical building. The church is not a temple. But the Judaism of that day wanted you to believe that the temple was where everything took place. And it, they move from the Jewish temple into the Roman buildings. And they overtook the Roman temples and turned the Roman world into a form of Judaism. But they knew that that would not be accepted appropriately. And so, thus became Roman Catholicism. The Jews turned the temple into the centerpiece of a new religion called Judaism and then took that new religion and infiltrated the Christians and Romanized it into the Roman Catholicism that we have today.
And it was within that same span of about 250 to 300 years following Christ's physical ministry that not only did Judaism become formalized and written as a religion, but that Roman Catholicism also became established. That is not a coincidence. That is not accidental. Judaism and Catholicism were birthed very close to each other, I mean within decades of each other, into formal religions. So Catholicism is Judaism's attempt to replace Christianity. And that's why they share. You've got the temple versus the cathedral. You've got the priesthood in both of them. And you've got the replacement of Jesus as a centerpiece with the saints or with the others that need to be worshipped and sacrificed to and the candles that need to be burnt and all of the, the, the rituals that need to take place. Christianity was not about rituals. I mean, you think about it, and, and you've, you've heard people talk about how, well, even Jesus performed the, uh, the, the acts and the, the rites that Judaism indicated. Uh, well, you're not going to find a whole lot of example of that. The, where traditionally the Jews were performing Passover events, Jesus didn't have a Passover event with the Twelve. He had a Last Supper. He did not have a moment where they sacrifice a lamb, and they partake in this Passover event. Jesus didn't do that with his disciples. If you think about it, what Jesus did in that supper was that he used the bread and the wine to symbolize what was about to occur to uh, on him, what was about to physically happen to him. He didn't celebrate Passover. But we have been led through our Sunday school traditions to see it as that. And it wasn't. It was the Last Supper. It was not a Passover. He was not celebrating uh, the people being rescued from captivity in Egypt, the origins of the Passover. He was, that was not what he was doing. He wasn't having them put blood on the, the doorway. He wasn't having them do any of those rituals. He said, I am the life. I am the way. I am the truth. I am the one that is replacing all of this. I am fulfilling it and replacing it. That old fleshly Israeli covenant that you had that had you doing rituals in the temple is no more. But to the twelve, I'm telling you, they're going to continue to build that as if that is a part of things. And I needed you to see from the beginning that I am telling you in advance that I will be killing that at its roots. It's powerful. It's massive. And it's real. And it gets overlooked every day in churches throughout the world and has for going on 2,000 years. It's pagan. But Jesus was informing them that the temple is going away and I'm replacing it with the spiritual relationship within the church, meaning within the followers and believers of Christ.